Hello, and welcome to Banking Transformed. I'm your host, Jim Roos, founder and CEO of the Digital Banking Report and co-publisher of the financial brand. On today's podcast, we'll discuss the process of innovation and the important role of those employees who may not fit well within the normal corporate organization, but who are imperative to the future success of legacy organizations. I am joined today by a good friend, Matteo Rizzi, who has just released a great book entitled Talents and Rebels. His book uses a series of interviews and personal observations to make a case that for organizations to survive during times of great change, they must not only embrace those people who may appear to be disruptive to the norm, but we may actually have to seek out more of this type of talent. It may be difficult for organizations to seek out corporate misfits, but they most likely hold our collective future in their hands. Welcome to the show, Matteo. It seems like just yesterday we were together in Budapest at an event that had both of us on stage, but also featured the co-founder of Apple, Steve Wozniak. Talk about a disruptive event. Indeed, Jim. Thanks for having me. And uh, indeed, it looks like yesterday. And uh, with Steve, we had great fun. Your new book is a culmination of your journey over the past several years as you have helped organizations better understand the innovation process. What prompted you to sit down and create this very unique book? So the consideration that uh, I can actually say it in one sentence. There is a reason why all the people who started InnoTribe inside Swift, which was uh, a pioneer in the fintech space, they're not working for Swift anymore, including uh, the back then CEO, Lazaro Campos, who is now my partner at FinTech Stage. So there is a reason why all these uh, lateral minds, apparent disruptors, you know, sort of uh, the rebels, as I call them in the book, they are not working uh, in the corporation anymore. They all pursue their own careers and they all found their like uh, happiness and passion and drive uh, outside the corporate world. So the book answers the question, is that a coincidence? Or is there a new type of talent then, you know, that is usually only tolerated by corporations instead of used as a super clever weapon to cope and deal with the coming disruption? So how long have you been involved in the search of innovation, the speaking on innovation? I want to say 10 years. Actually, it's funny because in the coming month of May, uh, we're going to do the FinTech Stage Festival in Italy, uh, which is at its third, third edition. And the theme of the show is a decade of uh, FinTech. There are not a lot of people, and you and I are two of them, who can say that are dealing with fintech for 10 years. And this is a little bit what I always say, is that InnoTribe was born in 2009 inside Swift, and uh, we created the first startup challenge, global startup challenge. The first winner was TransferWise, which today is one of the unicorns. And then more unicorns actually, you know, sort of came to that show, like Revolut or Currency Cloud, you know, all this uh, like big guys uh, 
they went to Ino tribe and Swift when they were like a bit more than five people in a garage. So that was like one side of the fintech story that clearly make probably myself and the team and Ino tribe, you know, pioneers. But there is more, actually. When you think that uh, Vitalik Buterin uh, came and presented Ethereum to one of the cybersys in, uh, I believe it was 2012, and in a room full of bankers, you know, talking about what today is, uh, you know, one of the largest blockchain uh, infrastructure in the world. And back then, it was just a kid, a genius kid, like explaining his uh, super ambitious idea, another rebel, by the way. So that's how inspiring uh, and sort of forward-looking, I believe, our work was 10 years ago. And we kept doing this uh, until uh, pretty much today, with the difference is that for the first five years, I did it within Swift. And for the last uh, seven, uh, because, you know, that decade is, you know, (laughs) goes beyond already, I did it as an entrepreneur and as a rebel, maybe is the simplest word. You know, one of the foundational thoughts in your book is that while a lot of people would like to consider themselves a rebel, very few really are. Is that probably what you've seen as well? Yes, that's actually a very clever sort of statement because actually one of the chapters is, is that a rebel or just a clever guy? There is a difference between someone who is really smart in a business, you know, in a relationship or, you know, simply in catching up and see all the sort of the connections in between like different either businesses or entities or products. Rebel somehow makes these connections in a way that is unseen before. Which is why I always make the difference. And the the one-liner of the book is that you need innovators to sort of develop the business, but you need rebels to survive. So when you think of the biggest failure or missed opportunities in uh, like large corporations who failed, we all know the Kodak examples, but there are more. There is the Blockbusters, you know, the Xerox, you know, behind all these missed opportunities, there were people who were unheard or tolerated or ignored or sort of undermined. Why? Because rebels are not considered as a resource. They are considered in most of the time a problem to solve. Whilst if you're smart and clever and maybe like you fit well in the mold, then you're very much likely to sort of, how do you say, to go up the ladder, you know, in the corporate hierarchy, whilst the rebel doesn't give a damn about becoming a CEO. You have some CEO rebels, but a rebel is motivated by relevance, by impact, by how is he or she going to change uh, the lives of people or like uh, the mission of a company. It is less about uh, power, money, you know, and even like recognition. I believe that a rebel wants to be fairly recognized about his or her work, but not with money, if I'm making sense. Yeah. So in most cases, is a rebel pretty much in the background then? I think so. And then there is the Elon Musk uh, and uh, Steve Jobs and, uh, you know, there's some others. Jack Ma. Exactly. Who are actually rebels and the leaders and also 
like a game changers, like a geniuses, right? And it's always like a combination of a life path, I guess, right? So when you actually, you and I both like heard the story of the other Steve Wozniak, you know, and he was saying, you know, I was the one like behind the scene thinking that, uh, you know, this stuff that we were building uh, could have changed the world, but you could tell that he was unable to sell it. Right. So you needed someone who was able to sell the vision. And that was the other Steve. It was Steve Wozniak. Then he's more the rebel. And Steve Jobs really was the innovator because Wozniak said, you know, if it wasn't for Steve Jobs, I wouldn't have been able to really visualize how this could be used. But I was creating some cool stuff. (laughs) Yeah, actually, you know, but probably I think it would be fair to admit that Steve Jobs is probably as well as Elon Maybe they are in a, in a category on their own, right? Or in their own category of uh, rebel geniuses, if you want to. And possibly, you know, it's not even relevant, right, to put an etiquette on them. But the thing is, uh, to answer to your question earlier, is that uh, indeed, uh, most of the times, uh, rebel, they're actually hanging out together or actually they should hang out together so that uh, they don't feel completely isolated from the rest of the company. But it is true that uh, statistically speaking, they are the ones like very hard to promote. For example, you don't give a promotion to a rebel, right? Because uh, usually he or she is not very good in, uh, you know, managing people or (laughs) even dealing with people sometimes at all, right? Because uh, he rather sort of inspire people and become a leader for them, then, uh, you know, manage them and sign their expenses, if I make sense. So it is true that they're rather sort of hidden, isolated. And that's exactly my point. When I actually try to teach corporations, because, you know, as a part of the next mission, we have been asked by large corporations to help them uh, sort of deal with their talents, right? And the advice we always give is that uh, instead of uh, isolate them, create a catalyst where these rebels can have ties with the rest of the company and actually use them as, uh, you know, your secret weapon, right? Or your engine, your disruptive engine that is going to inspire the more advanced part or the more advanced challenges of your innovation journey. So when we were at Novathon, we had a, a meeting with people that um, Intesa Sao Paulo had selected to be kind of like management trainees, but innovation trainees, where they were actually selected because of their disruptive tendencies, and they're actually going to be inserted in different parts of the organization from the standpoint of being able to bring innovation and disruption to different areas of the organization. Is that what we consider the go-forward movement for a lot of organizations, where they actually find those people that may be much more comfortable disrupting things and looking into the future and insert them in different parts of the organization that they can actually make a difference? I don't think that there is yet a perfect recipe for that because sometimes if you just spread these talents in different parts of the organization, then they become sort of too weak, if you allow me to say that, to actually make a change. So they might be, you know, little sparkle to inspire, but... uh, they won't have the critical uh, inertia 
to be able to sort of dramatically propose something new. Because uh, in my experience, at least, the vision of a rebel is so different from whatever the company or the environment uh, he or she is evolving in, that it requires uh, endorsement, but also like a critical mass of approval from either some of their peers, so the other rebels, but also finding sponsors within the organizations that believe in the dream. So it's actually not only the first step for a company would be, let's find these rebels, like create a catalyst, and let's give them the freedom and some super ambitious challenge and let them work. And then create ties with the rest of the company to actually make this challenge actually feasible and get very in a fast failing approach, you know, sort of let their creativity sparkle until there is one of their ideas that actually, you know, find the right ways or synchronize the the ways with the business. So how do you recruit a rebel, but more importantly, how do you continue to motivate them? I think that if our friend Brad King actually wrote a sentence on the back of the book and it says, there is this say that uh, it takes one to find one, right? And in the case of the rebel, that's very true. I always say that rebels sniff each other, which might not be the perfect English word, but uh, you see what I mean. They sort of uh, implicitly recognize themselves. So, you need to now, of course, not every single like HR head of a large business is a rebel or can be a rebel, right? But it is true that you need to have the courage to understand that the person in front of you might not be the usual candidate that you have been recruiting so far. And at the same time, that person in front of you will send you signals that I am different, but... If you make me enough relevant in this company, I'm going to be the engine that you need to disrupt yourself, to use a Jim Maru's, uh, you know, <laughs> loved expression. <laughs> so that's the first half. And then you were talking about how do you motivate a rebel? And uh, I can start by what doesn't motivate a rebel. And uh, most of the parameters that you would use uh, in normal, like a corporate life, like, you know, money, you know, a nice title in a business card or this or that car or whatever. These are not the pieces of the puzzle that you need to put in their place to to get him or her motivated. I think more about uh, freedom, uh, impact, uh, relevance, uh, recognition, and drive. And by drive, I mean... uh, make this person not feel alone, but on the other hand, treat this person as a type of resource that needs to be considered, which is actually the biggest challenge, is this mental path of accepting this type of resources as a resource, again, not as some strange animal that you need to deal with. In an organization, how do you find the difference between what I'll call a rebel without a cause and one that can be instrumental in the growth of an organization's innovation process? In other words, how do you define or spot someone who maybe is just plain disruptive versus those that are going to be valuable to an organization? 
This is another like extremely relevant question. I dare to say, you know, it's almost like you have read the book, which <laughs> which I'm pretty sure you did. Yes. <laughs> uh, otherwise, you would not have asked this question because uh, indeed there are actually people who are just there to create noise. And, you know, we could call them the fake rebels, right? So the ones that are just there because they like to say the opposite or to play the contrarian, right? There is a difference in between, uh, you know, play the play the person against everything uh, ju- or anything uh, just as an a priori or be someone who not only challenges the status quo, but also very quick, actually, propose something that actually has an impact. And usually the rebel doesn't come just with a problem. The rebel comes with a problem, with a way to solve it that might be actually sort of disruptive for the status quo, but is not unfeasible. And I actually have the perfect story to explain it. The reason why I left SWIFT in September 2013 is because I tried for nine months from January to September to sell the idea of a Nino Tribe fund. So I wanted to create a financial arm within SWIFT under the Inno Tribe brand that was able to invest in all these gems that we were finding through the Inno Tribe Startup Challenge. And uh, that would allow SWIFT back then to today maybe be an investor in Revolut, TransferWise, Currency Cloud, and plenty of other either multi-hundred dollars startups or unicorns at the same time. It would have been by far the largest fintech fund ever. But after nine months of battle, I could not make it happen. So I failed and I bailed. Why could I not make it happen? Because of a million of good reasons, you know. So the governance wasn't ready, it was too complicated, was out of focus. So maybe I didn't find the right sponsor, whatever. But mine wasn't just a crazy idea of an outsider, you know, doing something that was completely out of the sweet perimeter. We were still in like financial services, investing in startups, you know, I was creating something together with the Swift ecosystem. So it wasn't something completely crazy. So I wasn't just uh, waking up uh, and saying, yeah, this guys doesn't work. You guys don't understand. This fintech are going to eat your lunch and be like the protester, right? I came with a plan. The plan failed, but I still came with something that was actually feasible. This is, I believe, is possibly the best way to distinguish uh, someone who just, uh, you know, barks and someone else who actually is trying to make a dent because he or she believes that this solution is going to, like, uh, be a game changer. So you work primarily or a lot in the financial services industry. Aren't financial services firms and rebels something like oil and water? Where have you seen them coexist well? Statistically speaking, one or two percent out of any organization are rebels. Because rebels is not a business state of mind, is a human being state of mind. So you're rebel because you know you're actually 
have a different way of seeing things in whatever situation you are in. You know, it's not only, you know, the place you work, it's also the place you live, is uh, you know, your community. Is You always have this uh, lateral thinking, which is different, right? So that's point number one. And then uh, in the financial services, though, it is a bit more complicated because we are talking about uh, like, uh, you know, few dozens of thousands of people in multiple locations, right? So even if you have uh, like a three, four, five, uh, ten rebels in a country, they might not be in a different place. So it is sometimes is actually difficult to like gather them, let alone like simply finding them. Okay, unless you really look for them and you start uh, communicating about the fact that you love uh, different talents but you love it for real, not just uh, as an HR sort of manifesto, right? And the other challenge is that, uh, especially in financial services, uh, changing these big machines from inside, uh, it takes a lot of star alignment. Sometimes it's not enough to just uh, be able to identify these, uh, these rebels, but you need also to be able to cluster them and giving them a challenge to solve and giving them the means and the executive visibility to make that thing, if not a reality, at least something that you can evaluate or get inspiration from. So the fact of the rebels and the corporations be like oil and water, it is true not only in financial services, uh, but it is true that uh, there are, uh, especially the big tech players, for example, that, of course, they have been experiencing uh, a much bigger growth compared to some more classic or dinosaur-like incumbents. Uh, the Googles and the Amazons of this world, they clearly have created and are creating uh, space uh, for uh, these different talents to thrive. You've just started Breaking Banks Europe, haven't you? Indeed, actually. So together with a number of amazing uh, other hosts like, uh, you know, Matthias Kroner or, uh, you know, Megan Jensen, uh, Nina Mohanty, Paolo Sironi and Spiros Margaris and Najit Tripathi, we took the challenge to actually bring Breaking Banks uh, in uh, Europe. I think we are at show number 13 or 14 uh, already. And what is great is that the reaction from uh, all the different uh, European guests and the different ecosystems was really great. Not only because Breaking Banks, you know, the largest fintech podcast, uh, you know, as a, as a history and as an important brand, but also because there was no European focused uh, English and local language uh, fintech podcast. So we are starting this journey as we speak. Breaking Banks Europe is going to be live podcasting from uh, Fintech Stage Festival in May. This is going to be our first uh, like a live show. Thank you, Jim. I mean, as a fellow podcaster, you know, <laughs> I'm really happy. I'm really happy you bring this up. Thank you. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Before we say goodbye, I do want to find out, number one, can you tell our listeners how they get a hold of your book? It's Talents and Rebels by Matteo Rizzi. How do they get a hold of it? So you can go on Amazon. Uh, there is a, both an ebook, and uh, you can get delivered, of course. If you are like uh, in uh, Europe or in Italy, there is also the editor platform, which is Hopli, H-O-E-P-L-I. 
and that's the name of the editor. The title is Talent and Rebels, Dealing with Corporate Misfits. There is also the Italian version and news of today. Very soon, we're going to have the Portuguese uh, versions. Yeah. And where will they see you next? Where are you go on stage next? Just today, I received the, the schedule for my next six months. So it's going to be 20 cities, four continents in the next four months. And the next one is uh, Maputo in uh, Mozambique because uh, we created a platform called timepledge.org that is basically helping uh, African entrepreneurs in developing uh, soft skills, like how to pitch their idea, how to like raise money, you know, how to bootstrap the company. We wanted to create a platform through which uh, anybody from outside Africa with experience and time and passion, obviously, is able to go to Africa and coach these entrepreneurs uh, for free. You know, we will organize uh, some uh, classes and courses for him. So in the next uh, four months, only for timepledge.org, I'm going to Maputo, Lagos, Abidjan, Dakar, and Nairobi. And that makes us very grateful because uh, when you get the opportunity to give back, even if it is like uh, humbly your experience as an entrepreneur and what you do best, which is basically coaching startups, we really hope to make uh, to make a difference. So thanks for the question and allow me to talk about Time Pledge because it's a project very close to my heart. Well, it's always a pleasure talking to you and I'm, I'm sure we're going to cross our paths uh, sometime in the near future. Until the next time, Matteo, hey, have a great day. Thank you very much, Jim. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. So what a great interview with Matteo. You know, as I look at that interview, I, I look back and I say, you know, what are the reflections? What do we learn from that? And I think one thing is clear is that sometimes the people that are the rebels, the misfits, if you were, the people that are continually rattling the cages and not accepting the comment of, oh, we've never done it that way, or we tried that before and it didn't work. Maybe we have to listen a little bit closer to these people because they may be able to provide the kind of incentive, the kind of motivation, the kind of insight into what really needs to be done that others may be afraid to say. So, you know, it's interesting because Mateo mentioned about the fact that it's, number one, hard to find those people because some people are just disruptive for disruptive sake. But these people are motivated differently. They come up with different ideas. And sometimes they need to get closer and closer to the top of the organization to have their voices be heard. I do get the impression, too, that maybe over time, a misfit, once they make their impact known and once they get their voice heard, it may not be an ongoing process. Maybe they're simply a misfit or a rebel along a certain line of communication. Maybe it's just around digital banking, maybe, for instance. It was interesting because are some rebels at the top of organizations. He brought up Elon Musk. He brought up uh, Steve Wozniak and, to a degree, Steve Jobs. He brought up, the, I think, Richard Branson is a good example, who have really both a rebel and they're a disruptor. And I think the CEO of uh, T-Mobile would be another example. But often, these people are in the background because they don't seek attention. They seek the ability to give an input. So look around your organization. I'm sure there's people in your organizations that would be considered in many times a misfit, a rebel, an outcast who may have an idea that may transform our industry, may transform your organization.
Thanks for listening to Banking Transformed, rated as a top 10 banking podcast. Please take a minute to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. And most importantly, please don't forget to give our show a five-star rating. While it only takes a minute, these ratings are very important as we try to expand the distribution of the Banking Transform podcast to more potential listeners. Also, be sure to catch my recent articles on the financial brand and check out my research we are doing on digital transformation, retail banking innovation, the digital customer experience, and financial marketing for the Digital Banking Report. Finally, if you haven't already done so, be sure to register for the Financial Brand Forum being held from April 27th to 29th at the Aria Hotel in Las Vegas. Join me and more than 2,500 of your fellow bank and credit union executives to gain valuable insights from the likes of Seth Godin, Martha Stewart, Steve Young and Jerry Rice, Brett King, Omar Johnson, and dozens of other leaders who will share their perspectives during this amazing star-studded event. And don't forget to arrive early to catch a private performance by Jay Leno on Sunday night. Go to financialbrandforum.com and register today. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our producer, Leah Lawnbreak, and audio engineer, Sean Rule Hoffman. I'm your host, Jim Maroos. Until next time, have a great week. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business, when you need it, from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.